0: On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. A violent squall came up and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, quiet, be still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. Then he asked them, why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Lord. Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. There's a few announcements before we dive into these readings. Make sure you grab a bulletin this morning. There's a lot of uh, new information, especially a lot of updates now that as we've, uh, as the whole entire diocese strives to rebuild again, now that we've returned to somewhat pre-COVID normalcy. And so the task before us now was to rebuild our parish fabric, just like anything else, our parish, our cities, our families, you know what COVID did, it disrupted everything, and so we're not immune to that. And so this morning, I would like to ask, as we start to rebuild again our parish family, we need volunteers at all levels, again, lectors, altar servers, ushers, altar society members, you name it, and especially if you haven't served at all or have volunteers for anything, I really encourage you because we, we need your help in a sense. We need everything. Again, we have to rebuild our culture back up. And so, and so this is a, if the Lord has put it in your heart to serve in a different way at their parish, we need you. And a word of thanks as well because not only volunteers, but we've survived financially this whole COVID thing. Again, as I mentioned in previous homilies, parishes all across the United States on average saw a 25% decrease in their revenue. Because when parishes shut down, obviously people weren't showing up, and that was devastating for many parishes but a lo- amazingly, you guys stepped up our parish actually saw an increase in revenue, and so we were able to keep everything going because as you know even though we shut down, the bills kept coming so, as you know, bills come whether there's a pandemic or not, and so we we had no problem paying off any of the bills and in fact, this update we finished the replacement of of the first phase of our ac units in the hall and the furnaces there it's all done the grand total came out to be twenty five thousand and two hundred dollars and as you know furnaces and ac units are expensive and so we have four more units to go four more furnaces and one ac we'll do that later let's just pray that they don't break down so praise the lord but as uh when we return back to community suppers receptions donut sunday that hall will be warm in the, in the winter and nice and cool in the summertime. So again, we just completed that. And again, thank you. We were able to pay that off immediately. Now we've got to rebuild the, uh, the building fund. It's been decimated. <laughs> but good, because that's, that's what it's used for, to help maintain this beautiful campus. Thirdly, pray for our youth group. A small group of our teens began on, uh, was it last Friday, on a 21-day or 8-day whirlwind pilgrimage to visit all 21 of the Catholic missions. They straight went to, two days ago, they went straight from here to San Diego, that's a 10-hour drive, and then they would be making their way up. Yesterday, they visited the uh, Mission San Diego, San Juan Capistrano, San Luis, And so they're hitting a couple each day. Uh, I got to look at the itinerary, but they're making their way up slowly. And so pray for the teens. If you follow us on social media, I've been posting photos of the progress of the kids and they've been really, I'm kind of jealous because uh, I've always wanted to do the whole, all 21 Catholic missions. It's the foundation of California. And so it's a great opportunity to learn our rich Catholic history, which built this massive state. So the kids are seeing it firsthand. So pray for them. At their hearts will, will fall more in love with our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As our nation now to this day celebrates Fathers. So men, my brothers, happy Father's Day. These readings go absolutely perfect with our nation's holidays. One of those days where the secular calendar of our nation and the liturgical calendar of the Catholic Church overlaps perfectly. Because the question, especially on this day as we celebrate fathers for all that they do, which begs the question, what makes for a good father? What is the unique contribution that we play in our families, in our, in our society, in our culture as a whole. And these readings today speak to that. What makes, or rather, what is a quality that separates a good father from a deadbeat father? What is the distinction there? And I think part of the quality of what makes for a good father is that he doesn't think of himself first. Last Saturday, I got a text message from a parishioner. We're part of a prayer chain. When somebody's sick, they say, pray for this intention. And, And so I get a text message from time to time from the prayer chain. And on Saturday before mass, I get a text one of our prisoners is at St. Mary's Hospital in Reno, because as you all know, when, when somebody's sick, especially if it's serious, you don't go up here, you, you go to, you guys go to Renown, you go to St. Mary's, go to one, the one VA hospital there. And so I get a message, somebody is ill at St. Mary's. And it was right before mass, I said, oh no, the only time I can go is after mass, and usually after mass, I'm, I'm tired. And so I started calculating, hmm, St. Mary's, it's 49 miles away, it's about a 100 mile round trip. I'll spend 3.4 gallons of gas to go, go there. <laughs> gas is what now? It's, it's closing on four dollars. Oh, that's about that's almost okay, it's about $12 spent on gas. That's about a two-hour time period. And I say, you know what? St. Mary's has a full-time priest chaplain there. Why don't I just call the priest chaplain and say, hey, I got a parishioner there, give them the anointing of the sick. And as I, I, I started calculating this, and then all of a sudden I said, wait a minute. What am I doing? I'm counting the cost on me. I'm her father. Get your butt off the couch and go. Stop thinking about myself. Just go. And sure enough, I, after mass, after on Saturday, I got up. was tired, so after I closed up the church, I hopped in my car and headed straight to Reno. And I figured, you know, since you're in Reno, especially if you live here, you try to knock out errands. <laughs> you might as well, you go for a long drive, you might as well do kill two birds with one stone, right? So I called up some friends. I said, hey, I'll be in Reno this evening. You want to meet up for dinner? I haven't seen you in a while. And I am craving for Chinese food. <laughs> and so I go, I get, I get to St. Mary's. I, I do my priestly duty. I visit with the parishioner, give her the anointing of the sick did my duty as her father. And then we met up at P.F. Chang's right there off Kitski. I never know how to pronounce that name. Nobody knows, right? It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Kitski. We go to P.F. Chang's there. And as, as I was driving up to the, after, after the anointing of the sick, he said, Father, we have a seminarian in town from the Archdiocese of San Francisco. First year seminarian. So do you mind if he joins us for dinner? I said, absolutely. I'd love to meet Fresh seminarians, new seminarians, new blood, because us cranky old guys, we, we get beat up by ministry, so it's nice to see the young guys coming through. And so we sit down, we have a good dinner, and over Kung Pao chicken, I, I asked the seminary. <laughs> because whenever we meet each other, seminarians and priests, one of the questions we tend to ask each other when we first meet, we ask, how did the Lord call you? to be a priest and spiritual father. Because all of the priests you ever met in your life, we all have different stories. The Lord worked on us all individually. And so we're always curious about how did the Lord work in your life to feel that call to the priesthood? And he had an amazing story. He said as a young man, his name is Jose. As a young man, he's living in Hayward in the Bay Area, making tons of money. He said I was working three jobs, father. Making tons of money. He says, I had all the money, I had a new car, I had a beautiful girlfriend. His weekends were spent party lifestyle. Getting drunk, high, every weekend. By this point, he had fallen away from the practice of his faith. He just got distracted by the world. The world is very alluring. He just got distracted by it. One, one, one compromise after another. You know, you make one compromise and then another and then another. All of a sudden, you're all the way over here, of course. And that was him. And he said, amazingly, the entire time when he was living that lifestyle, he couldn't care less about God. But he says, I noticed something. My heart was empty. And we all know that, don't we? When we pursue, again, the four classical substitutes of God, and if you're with me, you you already know this. The four classical substitutes of God, which we always replace our relationship with the Lord, with these four things, money, power, honor, pleasure. These are the four qualities which always replace God, all the way back to the Jewish times, the Jewish people, whenever they veered off from God is one of those four things. And so it's the same thing. Human nature is the same, and we always get distracted by that. And he says, I pursued those things with a passion, And I was empty. And then one day, he met a strong Catholic. You need to go back to church. Church? What are you talking about? Who does that? (laughs) But that quote stung him, resonated with him. He went back to the party lifestyle lived the same way found it wanting and the one morning he said he woke up but the desire to pray and so he went to the nearest church luckily it was open and he sat there he said the first time father i prayed for two hours and then i picked up the rosary because as a kid his mom taught him how to pray the rosary and then he began to pray the rosary and then he said his exact words were father I went from zero to a thousand miles an hour. This man, amazingly, all of a sudden, he would wake up every morning and his desire to pray, that's all he wanted to do. He'd wake up and he said, I need to get to church. I need to go pray. And he started praying 10 hours a day. He went from praying nothing, oh, in fact, I forgot to mention this quality. When he was in his darkness, he was also practicing the occult. You see, as, and you start seeing this pattern when you see the studies, as we get less and less religious in Christianity, there isn't a void of nothingness. Rather, those who reject Christianity then take up the practices of the occult, of of, of these other uh, pagan practices. Because again, the human heart longs for the transcendence. So when we reject the tradition, we tend to try to replace it with other things. And the practice of the occult has skyrocketing, especially among our young people. I used to work in high schools. It's, it is rampant among young people. And they start practicing the occult. Why? Because what is the occult? It's an attempt to maneuver the transcendent to, and to bend it to my will. By the way, politicians do this too. To bend the will of God to serve their own desires. So we started doing that, but of course, dead end. So he went from basically doing nothing, getting high and drunk on the weekends, practicing the occult, to all of a sudden sitting in the chapel on his knees for 10 hours a day. And then when he lived like that, all of a sudden, when his friends would call him up, hey, there's a party this weekend, you want to go? No. No. You want to get drunk? You want to get high? No gives me nothing. He quit his jobs, (laughs) started fasting, gave his money away. Nobody told him this, but it was a desire that was springing up from his prayer life. And then at St. Matthew's Church in San Mateo, California, he was sitting on a Sunday mass, he said, he was sitting there in prayer, just like you are now, watching the priest at the altar. And then this new, and he called it a craving, welled up from within, from deep within him. And it said, be my priest. Be a father to my people. And he thought that was strange because it came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden he says, what are you talking about? Be, be a priest? Do you know my Do you know my background? Lord, do you know how I was living before? But this craving did not go away in him. Then, at 28 years old, he entered the seminary for the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and that's where I found him at P.F. Chang's on Kitsuki eating kung pao chicken. His heart had flipped. He stopped thinking and living for himself. And he started laying down his life for the Lord and for others. That is the quality of a good father. Notice now that, as men, my brothers, why did God create us the way He did? By our very nature, we are stronger, we are more aggressive. We are built, in other words, to defend and to fight. That's the the call deep within a man's heart, to fight and to defend, which, by the way, is why we love football. You ever hear football players speak? Notice the language, it's warrior speech. What is that? Because it's deep within the human, especially the masculine soul, to fight and, and to defend. But now, what do we use it for? See the good father, the good man doesn't use it in order to use those abilities for himself. But rather he uses it to live and to serve his spouse, his children, his church, his city, his nation. To use our God-giving abilities not for to build up ourselves, but rather to serve That is the call of the, of the good father. I look at some stats because I wanted to see the exact opposite. What if I fail? As a father. What are the implications of that? And I want to, I quoted all of these stats. All of these stats come from, from legitimate organizations who do these studies. And I want to read you what happens when my brother, I speak to my brothers now. When we do not live up to that call our monumental God-given tasks to lay down our lives for our family and for the Lord. Look at these starking statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison, 85% of young people in prison, come from fatherless homes. 20 times the average. The statistics are endless. What happens when, as men, when we do not live up to the high bar? And this is where our Lord comes in. Because look, look at this powerful gospel reading. So the, the apostles now, they're, they're in boats. And then the storms come. My brothers and sisters, the storms will always come. There will always be storms in our lives. No matter what we do, there will always be storms. You name it, in our lives, there's always a concophony of chaos. It always, will always be there. But the question is, what do we do in the chaos? Are we, especially as men, are we agents of chaos? Because what the studies show is that when we fail, chaos multiplies. Especially in the church. What do you think the sex abuse scandal was all about? That's the failure of fatherhood. My brother priest who failed. Then what happened? 20 years now, we've been suffering chaos in the church. And we're trying to rebuild. And that happens on all levels of society. And so when the chaos comes now, the apostles are freaking out. They say, Lord, Lord, don't you see that we're, we're about to die? We're, we're about to be overtaken by the waves. Jesus, do something. And what is Jesus doing? Taking a cat nap. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, wake up! <laughs> and he looks at them and he's like, ah, why are you terrified? And he calms the ways with a single word. Jesus tells us that he comes to reveal the Father, the Heavenly Father. And he says, you want to learn to be like your Heavenly Father, especially as men? Now, his, this is where the rubber really hits the road for us. Because there are many messages of what it means to be a real man. The world tells us how, gives us one message how to be a man. We're taught, you know, to, to, be, to be strong, to, be after, to go after the most ladies, to do all of this, do all of that. Ah! But the Father, Heavenly Father, now teaches us how to be a true man. He says, you want to be like the Father? Well, guess what? Love one another just as I have loved you. How does Jesus love and to reveal the Father's love to humanity? He lays down his life For us, which is what Paul in the second reading today exemplifies. Writing beautifully, he says, he no longer thinks of themselves, but he lays down his life for the other. There my friends, my father, my brothers here. I dare say this is the secret of what it means to be a true man. This is why God made us stronger, made us more agile, made us more aggressive not to rather to build up ourselves, but rather to lay down our life for our loved ones, to serve God and to serve one another. When we do this, I dare say it is when we are true men. You know what our culture, and I'll end, I'll end here on this finer point. Our culture, our society needs this type of man. In all of the chaos of the world that surrounds us, what the world needs, what it is thirsting for, is a true man who is willing to lay down his life and to serve. Not himself, but the other. And when we do that, we stare squarely at Jesus, we follow his example, and when the waves come and the wind and all of this chaos that surrounds us, We'll be calm, resolute to the point of taking a nap because we know nothing can move us because we have Jesus Christ as our rock and our example. So my brothers, happy Father's Day. Let us pray to the Lord to live up to our awesome vocation.